Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Well, it's been a while. It's been a while since... Uh, I missed you. Well, you and I have seen each other. We just haven't seen each other in the steam room, Chuck. I, I missed you, though, Ernest. Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley. Welcome back to the steam room, America. Yeah, we were, uh, you know, we were out of pocket for... Uh, Shout out to March, March Madness. Madness. Man, it was awesome. It was flat out awesome. Well, yeah. for the last night for Kenny. Yeah. But the whole tournament. Shout out to our CBS partners. Wonderful. My girl, Always a Mindy and Ellen, my makeup. Girl, my wardrobe. Those, those girl. are the people you want to shout out as the makeup people. That's the first shout out you have. Yeah, they worked hard. It's hard to make this thing work. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't think you uh, intended for it yeah. to come out like that. Uh, no. Uh, shout out. Hey, Clark Kellogg, Greg Gumble. Yeah. Love you guys, man. Thank you, Self Davis. Thank you for another amazing year. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, doing the steam room under the influence a little bit today. What's wrong? Allergy action, but I got. I'm under the influence of Flonase. 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 Okay. Flonase is good for That's the allergies. But, but you know what? It gave it gives me just a li- just a touch little lower voice. So I think the steam room audience will enjoy that. Oh my God. Don't you? No, I don't, don't, think, don't, don't, don't think it gives me a certain timber in my voice that's like <laughs> yeah, okay. boy, I wish this guy was on my calm app reading me a story and Are you serious right now? To, yeah. Have you ever done the calm app? I have not done the calm app. Should try it. Yeah, put you no. right to sleep on the road. I use it on the road. So will some tequila, uh, but no, this is much better. Okay, shout out to Redmond Vodka too. Oh, uh, <laughs> we are right back into yeah. it. Yes, so, we are. Uh, we always start out the steam room. Man, I got a big list here today. Oh, how long are you going to go with this? Uh, it, it won't take long. Okay, first uh, of all, here we go. First of all, you know, I was awakened yesterday by the awful news about Dwayne Haskins. Man, twenty-four years old. I just want to give my thoughts and prayers to his family. Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback. Quarterback got hit down in Florida, man. And he was part of the fraternity. As I always said, if you play sports, you're part of my fraternity. And I just want to get my thoughts and prayers to a family. 24 years old. Just brutal, man. Brutal. Okay. I want to give a shout out to Bruce Willis. I have met Bruce Willis. He's a big boxing fan, and I'm a big boxing fan. And I bumped into him a couple of times through my life. And I just want to give him and his family some love. He's always been cordial to me. We we met at a bunch of fights in Vegas. He's one of my favorite actors. And I know he's struggling now. I just want to let him know, hey, man, thank you for all the memories, for being a great actor and a good dude. The few times I've been blessed to be in your presence. So shout out to Bruce Willis and his family. Haven't had the pleasure of meeting him. Yeah, but, uh, uh, he was awesome. And uh, I don't know a lot about that disease, but I just want to let him know, hey, I've been a big fan. I want to thank him for treating me great for every time I met him. I want to get to some positive stuff, but I want to address the, the Will Smith thing. I'm a big Will Smith fan, and I'm a big Chris Rock fan. Now, I don't want to interrupt. Okay. Well, I am. Yeah. So were you watching this when it happened? Yes. You were. I, I was, was watching something else. Yeah, I was watching I it. I just watched it. Yeah, I just watched. I thought the it was a, a skit. Yeah, I thought it was a skit, and then uh, I was like, "Wow, that's kind of funny." But 
didn't understand why it would work like that. And then obviously all hell broke loose. I just want to say this. I'm a big Chris Rock fan. I'm a big Will Smith fan. Will Smith was 100% wrong. That's all I got to say about it. Why do you think he did it? I think the pressures in his personal life. Because he was laughing. I, I do. I think the pressures in his personal life has got him going through some things. That's my personal opinion. I'm not Dr. Phil, but I still love Will and I still love Chris. But I got to say, Will was wrong. How about the way Chris Rock handled it? Chris Rock is a hero. Like I said, I love both guys and I wish nothing but the best of both of them. But I do. I think this is all got something to do with Will's personal life, and I wish him nothing but the best. I don't get caught up in all this BS of cancel culture. I don't want nobody canceled because it was just a mistake, and he apologized. And like I say, the hero is Chris, the way he handled it. But I wish Will nothing but the best. Should he have been allowed to stay in the uh, in that theater and accept his uh I want to say, because uh, that's the point I was going to next. I don't know about, first of all, a friend of mine is T.J. Holmes. He was came to see me last week two weeks ago, because he came down here to interview Will Packer, the first black producer. And he said, man, the cops tried to talk Chris Rock into getting <laughs> snatching Will Smith out of the audience. And this is why Chris is a hero. Number one, the way he handled it on stage. But Will Packer told TJ, and TJ told me, and it, it was shown on ABC, the cops were demanding to arrest Will Smith right there, snatch his ass out the audience. And Chris Rock said, no, no, no. So that was the stuff that was going on behind the scenes from people who were actually there. But I want to say this. I think 10 years is excessive. A 10-year suspension from yeah, for, attending for, for, the uh, I, Academy Awards. I think two years, in my opinion, two years would be fair. I think two years would be fair. It was 100% wrong. I love Will Steele. But 10 years to me is excessive. And that's the last time I'm going to talk about that. I was wondering about that punishment, too. And I was, and I kind of put it in like college sports kind of an analogy. You know, if, if a university is caught, yeah. they'll say postseason ban. Yeah. How about the next two years you can't be nominated? Something like that. 10 years is a long time. And like I said, it was 100% wrong, in my opinion. But 10 years is a long time. Uh, and and I hope he gets back to making movies, and I'm going to go see his movies because Will, I, I've known Will since he was in high school. Will used to sing the National Anthem at Sixer Games. That's how long I've known him, in the mid-'80s. I, and he's always been great and cordial. Now, like I say, I wish him nothing but the best. I've been in Chris Rock's presence probably five times, and he's always been amazing, and I can't wait to be around him again. So that's the last time I'm going to talk about that stuff, ever. But I want to say about two things. Tiger Woods, y'all. Tiger, man, so glad to see you back on the golf course. It's amazing. It's amazing. One of the greatest stories. I did not think he would win because I don't think you can miss that many days and with a bad leg. But just actually tearing it up at the majors. I've already thought he's the greatest golfer ever. He made, it made me fall in love with golf even more. It's been an honor and a privilege to play. I mean, I think I played with him probably five or six times. Uh, and it's just great to see him back out there. And that's before you got your swing fixed. I know. I can't wait. That must have just been. I, I, boy. You know what, what What Tiger's probably thinking is, I can play. Hey. I can play four days at Augusta. I played with Charles when he was hitching. Yeah, let me tell you something. That's true. Good point. <laughs> let me tell you something. He, he can't give me a shot of hole anymore. Those days are over. Those days are over. 
He can't give me a shot of hole anymore. Him, Max Homer, uh, Colt Nost, Pat Perez. You're putting yourself. Phil Mickelson. You're putting yourself. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. In the ranks of yeah, those guys used to professional always, golfers. Yeah, those guys used to give me a shot of hold. Those days are O-V-E-R, over. I'm kicking ass and taking names on the golf course right now. Roy Green, Eric Dickerson, Marcus Allen, Jerome Bettis, Ernie Johnson. I'm in the ass-kicking business, and business is very good. Okay. I see you didn't put Eric Johnson, my son, on Oh, yeah, I'm not, I, I, got, I can't wait for the Black Masters. <laughs> so I'm going to finish up with something that's so near and dear to my heart. First of all, uh, I hope that I pronounced this right. Katani? Katanji. Katanji Brown-Jackson, the first uh, black woman on the Supreme Court. Man, that is one of the greatest days of my life. Her getting nominated and getting ele elected to the Supreme Court, man, to, I mean, it's just, I can't even explain, uh, number one, obviously being black, but being a woman, it's just such an awesome thing uh, to be a black woman on the Supreme Court, man. My heart is full for her, her family, for all other black lawyers out there who are women. Uh, it's just a great thing. That's a great way to wrap up, first yeah. of all. You covered yeah. a, a lot of ground. We hit, a lot of stuff happened since we've been gone, brother. Yeah, yeah. way to stay on top yeah. of it. Yeah, thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. So I'm glad to be back on the steam room. You know, uh, Bleacher Reports, Taylor Rooks, one of our teammates, uh, an Emmy-nominated Wow, Taylor Rooks. And you know... Bleach Report is my That's the only internet I look at, too. Oh, very good. Yeah. Well, she's going to join us next here inside the Steam Room. Yes. Back here inside the Steam Room. Welcome back, Ernie Johnson Jr. Man, it's good to be back in here. It's been it a while. It has been a, been while. a while. And uh, we have a guest, Chuckster. Special guest. Special guest. The uh, sports Emmy nominations came out the other day, and uh, she was nominated for Outstanding Personality Emerging On-Air Talent. Wow. It's Taylor Rooks. Taylor, how hey, are you? So you are Emerging Personality. Yeah, wild. It was it was a, a crazy day because I had no idea this was even happening, and all of a sudden, you know... My phone's blowing up and Tara's calling me and like Tyler's texting me and you're like, uh-oh, this is either really good or really bad. Um, so it was, it was really nice that the news was, was that I was Emmy nominated and I'm super thankful and super grateful. Very, very well deserved, we might add. Well, well, first of all, you. you've been a tremendous asset to our team for a long time. So I don't know why they say you're emerging now. Hey, talk it. To give me, give me all the things, Chuck. No, I'm kidding. I appreciate that. I, I, I'm very happy about the title. You know, I think that with what we do, you're you're constantly just wanting to to push the envelope and make content that is different. And sometimes that just it takes a minute for that to catch on and for you to figure out what that niche is for you. And I think now I've really understood the thing that I think makes me special in the space and makes the work special. Um, and so I'm I'm just happy to be included in it. What's the best part of your job? Oh my goodness, so many things, but. For me, it's the it's been the best and most rewarding part is I feel like I have really gained the trust of people that I interview. And I think I've gained the trust of 
my peers and people wanting to sit in that chair and decide to be open and honest and talk about things that are great or things that are also sometimes difficult. So I've just, I've enjoyed that aspect of making connections and and building a, a really strong trust amongst people that come onto the show. You know, for me, sometimes I get to interview people and I'm kind of excited. I'm a fan guy. Who has, have you interviewed? You're like, wow, this is really cool. I'm going to get to interview this person. Oh my gosh. I'd probably say Alan Iverson. Okay. That was really nice to get like an hour with AI. It was really, really cool. Um, I mean, I know Candace Parker works with us, but I've always been such a big fan of her. So when she came on the show and I got to just talk to her for a long time, that was really cool too. Um, those two stick out the most. And this wasn't on my show, but I got to interview Barack Obama and that was like, I couldn't believe it. So I'll, I'll say those three. So, so, I have had the pleasure, uh, President Obama asked me to interview him one year, and I actually knew him before he was the president. And for some reason, when he became president, I was shaking like a leaf when I got a chance to sit down and interview him. It's such an amazing thing to be in the room with him because his class, his dignity, his grace. But were you really nervous for that situation? Oh, 100%. And it's funny because I only got like eight minutes. Like they picked four people to get eight minutes with him. You could ask him like one to two questions. So I get there and I'm like, oh, I'm ready for this. I prepared. I read the book. It was when he had just came out with his book. I'm like, I'm ready. But when he popped onto the screen, everything just went out the window and I'm smiling. I can't believe it. You know, he's like, it's so nice to see you, Taylor. He says your name and you're like, oh my gosh, what was I even, you know, then I had to, I had to come back into it, but he's just somebody who I, I deeply respect for so many reasons. And he's just, everything he says is beautiful. Like you can just soak up so much knowledge from him. And he has this amazing presence about him, even though it was on the computer. I just, I felt his leadership and I felt all of the reasons that, you know, so much of the country fell in love with him as the president. This uh, Taylor Rooks X series that we're talking about, obviously, if you're going to interview an athlete, that's right there in your realm. How different is it, and and how do, does the preparation differ when you're going to go like into the entertainment world? In a lot of ways, honestly, it doesn't. So much of it for me is the same base, that same type of research. I try to watch every interview this person's done. I try to read every article that they have ever been a part of. And I know, Ernie, of course, you know, like so much of this is really the people business above all else. Everybody at their core is the same, right? Everybody has things that they want to discuss. Um, And even when I am interviewing athletes, so much of what I focus on is off of the field or off of the court that a lot of those those same practices kind of apply regardless of the person that that I'm interviewing. No, and you know what? I think, you know, the, the fact that you point out that you've, you know, you'll watch interviews here and there where you can pick something up that isn't a headline maker but it's something that will really drive an interview um, rather than just taking the press release and saying, okay, this person's this and, and is working on this because they hear the same question so many times and it's so easy for them just to rattle off. Yeah. Here's answer three B to that question. But man, if you can come up with something that's like, oh, wow. Oh, you know, and they're thinking, wow, you yeah. did some homework on this, didn't you? Yeah, totally. And something else I have found too is, 
Sometimes a simple way to dive deeper into things they've talked about is just asking why, you know, like a lot of times when people are in interviews, they, I call them like level one questions, level two, level three. And like, sometimes we just stop at level one. They give us the answer and we don't think to ask about like why they did that or what they meant by that. And in my experience, a lot of the, you know, the revelations or the good parts of the interview have come in the follow-ups. And too often we do ask those same things and it's okay to, you know, talk about the same topic, but understanding like that level two and level three reasoning as to why that is their answer has helped me a lot in interviews. And also knowing like small things like, you know, yes and probably aren't the same answer. So pushing people to like answer the question that you asked them um, has helped me as well. Hey, how old are you? 29. I'll be 30. I'll be 30 next month. You don't ask women uh, that. Okay. I'm, I'm ready. I love it. I'm excited to be 30. So, so <laughs> you're, you're 29. Who influenced you to, to go down this avenue? Because like, there's not many black women in sports. Yeah. So who did you see on television and when did you think, like, I want to do that for a living? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I remember so distinctly when I saw Pam Oliver on television. Um, but then I also grew up, grew up, you know, in the metro Atlanta area. I was watching, like, Monica Pearson. Yeah. So I was really fortunate to be able to watch a lot of Black women on TV. Um, and I knew I wanted to do sports journalism. So, like, I remember my first real interview um, and I say real in quotes because it was awful. And he was just answering my questions. Um, my uncle was actually Lou Brock. So okay. he would allow me to interview him. So that was like one of the first real ones I did. And then I I went to high school with Stephen Atwater's children. And my dad and Steve Atwater went to high school together. And so did their dads. So he's a very good family friend of ours. So I got to interview him too. So I got chances to talk to people that like really had something to say and try to get better at it. They let me interview them as many times as I asked. And I hope it got better uh, each time. So now what's your next goal? I mean, so many things. Like I, I obviously, I know that it's, it's important to have these set goals and things that are tangible, things that you can reach and say, okay, check that off the list. But what I have found for myself is sometimes I set goals and then I get focused on that being that specific thing. And you're almost inherently putting yourself into a box when you set a goal. Yeah. Because you say, okay, I want to reach that. But it's like, I actually want to reach further than whatever that goal is. So I try to have myself reach like feelings. And for me, what I eventually want with my, my interviews, I want them to, to feel necessary. I always bring up like, an Oprah comparison. Yeah. Like I knew when I left school, every single person in every single house was watching Oprah. Like it was what everyone did. And if you didn't watch it, you felt like you missed out. Like Oprah was a very like necessary part of like society and culture. And you felt something when you watched her and you knew what you were going to get. And I just think my goal is to reach a place where the content I'm creating is necessary. Um, and I don't know what that looks like or where that leads, but that's just what I eventually want them all to feel like. I think what you said is really profound. I'm going to tell you why. Because when I go speak to kids all the time, they say, well, what goals did you set? I says, I didn't set goals. I said, because if I said, well, I want to make the high school team, 
I said, I'm like, well, I would have been content with that. Then I said, I want to make the college team. I would have been content with that. Then I said, I want to make an NBA. So I says, I always tell myself, just keep getting better at what you're doing. Because if you set goals and accomplish that goal, some people turn it off after that. Because mm-hmm. you don't really know what you can accomplish until you just keep pushing, pushing, and pushing. So I actually, I hope the people at home, the way you said that, like, I'm not sure about setting goals because I never grew up thinking I was going to be Charles Barkley. My first goal was like, mm-hmm. I want to make the high school team. Yeah, but even that is goal setting. I, mean, I know. And but, I, think, but, but, I think you can get places and reset. Well, you, you, it's well, like, well, that's a, I but guess, that drives you. I guess that's a better way of saying it. You have to reset your goals all the time. Yeah, exactly. But a lot of people don't, Ernie. Yeah. Oh, true. A lot of people, hey, I got here. That's got all here. I wanted I'm, to yeah. do. And I'm like, no, nah, yeah. man, you don't know. Yeah, because you talk, Taylor, about watching uh, Monica Kaufman Pearson. I used to work with her at WSB, by the way, 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 way back in the day. Well, um, she turned out good. What happened to you? Uh, I don't know. I'm still waiting to see. <laughs> I need to reset some goals. So there are going to be young women out there watching you on BR, on your interview series, on NBA Twitter Live during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And they're going to say, yeah, that's what I, that's what I want to do. And what's the best advice you give somebody who's watching you and saying, that's where I want to be? I think the number one thing I would say, uh, and I actually kind of soaked this in when I was reading Michelle Obama's book, is anybody watching, I would want them to understand like what I'm doing isn't special. Like it's as special as everybody else is special. And I think sometimes when you watch people that are doing the things that we want to do, we feel like there is something like incredibly different about them and it makes what they're doing feel unattainable. And I would just want everyone to know that everything that I'm doing is possible to all of us. Like we all have a voice. We all have original thoughts. We all know how to ask a question. We do it every single day. Um, so if just, if you're watching, I just would want you to understand that this is completely possible. You, you, you just, you work hard, you focus on a task, you try to excel at that and you get lucky too. That's another thing I think is important is for everyone to understand anybody doing something you want to do got deeply lucky. And it's a disservice to every single person to attribute all of your accomplishments to hard work. Cause a lot of people work hard. Luck plays a role into it too. So just if you're watching, I would say it truly is, it's possible. Because I think growing up, everything just felt so far, what I wanted to do. But it, it just isn't as far as you think it is. So let me ask you a question. Like, so I don't do any social media. I know. We got to get you on that. I don't know how. Give it up, Taylor. It. Taylor. It's not going to happen. Taylor, <laughs> I have Taylor, tried and Taylor, I have Taylor, tried. Yeah, yeah, that ship is sailed. But as a beautiful woman on social media, you're probably going to get some clowns trying to say sexual things towards you. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to get some mean things said about you. I think you're smart enough to know it's all BS. But how do you handle anybody said anything negative about you? Yeah. I mean, I say this all the time, but like the internet is not a real place. Internet is a thing that like literally ceases to exist if you put this down. Like literally. It doesn't matter. I would say I don't get mad when my dog barks at the mailman because that's what I expect my dog to do. <laughs> and that's what I think about the Internet, too. You, can't, you come to this place that is full of opinions 
that is, you know, full of the best in people and also the worst in people. And you can't get caught up in that. And I try to not get caught up in, like, I always say so much of, of life is about what you decide to give volume to. And there will be a billion really nice things on the internet but it's like human nature to get caught up in the one bad thing. Yeah. And so I'm just always reminding myself, like you have, to, you can't let that bad be louder than the good. You have to give more volume to the good stuff, but also not to give that too much volume because if you care too deeply about compliments you're getting or praise about your work, you will care immensely about when somebody thinks the opposite. So it's just always kind of keeping kind of on the, on the straight and narrow um, and it's worked for me. And I hope that that changes. I hope the internet isn't a place where, you know, you can come to and it's going to be bad things. Like, I, I don't like that. We have kind of accepted that that's what social media is. And I hope, I hope that eventually changes, but it definitely takes like a, a thick skin and also a very full awareness of who you are. Like you have to know who you are to be on the internet because the internet will try and tell you who you are. And it can be easy to get caught up in whatever those words are. And you just, you have to try your hardest to have a very strong sense of self uh, if you're going to be on social media. Yeah. And I think that uh, part of it too is how you use it and what you put out there and what people read. And if they say, wow, she's really positive or she has a great outlook or she's, you know, she's lifting people up or she's doing this. Yeah. I think it can be really a valuable tool when it's used that way, when you're trying to, when you try to encourage when you, when, you, when you say, hey, here's a great book. I think you should read it. Hey, uh, have you heard this music? Give it a listen. Hey, I love this video of this kid with autism making a game-winning bucket. You know, and I think I think that way, see, because look, years ago, I, w- I went back at people sometimes. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, Ooh, like. Oh, Ernie clapping back. In the early Twitter, <laughs> in the early Twitter time, you know, somebody would get on there and say something and I would, you know, and I said, you know what? Don't be one of those people. Yeah. Don't don't get into a as my dad used to say. Don't get into a pissing fight with a skunk. Don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just look. They're going to have no matter who you are. There's never going to be a hundred percent. Oh yeah, love this guy. Yeah. There's always going to be folks out there. So as long as you're able to just say, well, that was you know. Sometimes somebody will take a shot and you say, well, actually, that's kind of funny. I just can't do it. I I see a lot of people on there and people that I follow who are just right at people all the time. And I said, I couldn't live like that. Yeah. I don't understand. Like if I'm sitting at home doing nothing. Which is most of the time. What's a good point. <laughs> I, I, I never understand why somebody would be doing their own thing. Says, wait a minute. I need to get and make a negative comment. About, I, I never understand. Yeah. Like that's none of your business. What's going on in that situation. Why would I take mm-hmm. time out of my life? That's what drives me crazy when I see see some things and hear some things. I'm like, yo, man, you're living your life. Why do you have to take time out of your life to make a snarky asshole comment about a situation? Because it makes you feel that much better That's about a, yourself. Yeah. Wow, this per, this person's yeah. getting a lot of pub. This getting this person is yeah. really. I'm gonna just chip away. And back when I was getting started at Turner 32 years ago. You had just came off Noah's Ark. Right? You, yes, I had, okay. and uh, and and <laughs> it was my dove, as a matter of fact. So and and so, um, 
basically you had Rudy Martsky writing in the USA Today, a TV column. Yes. And that was about all the feedback you would get. Yeah. You know, it was like he would write a Monday column looking at what had gone on in the week and salute Durston Freeman. You were like, man, I'd love to get a shout out from Rudy Martsky. These days, every time you open your mouth on this, on yeah. a show, on, on whatever, somebody's there to say, mistake. What a dumbass. Yeah. I can't believe yeah. you said that. And yeah. it's like, that's why you can't say, you know, and there have been times where I've, somebody's caught me on like I missed a stat or said something wrong. And I was like, good catch, man. You're right. Sorry. Yeah, like good, good for you. But I think you guys are right in the sense of, you know, it says so much more about whoever has decided to go out of their way to, to say these things about you. Like I read maybe like three years ago, I read this book called The Four Agreements. And I don't agree with like every single thing you said in it, but I think the agreements are a great thing to live by. You don't agree with all the agreements. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> I don't agree with all his reasoning, but you know, it's like, don't make assumptions, never take anything personally, be impeccable with your word and always do your best. And in that chapter where he's talking about not taking things personally, it hit me so much because I think above all else, Humans tend to think they are a bit more important than they actually are. And when you see a comment that is that is made about you, A, it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, because in the grand scheme of things, everything is bigger than you. But also everything is bigger than this person that has decided to, to talk about you. This is all so fleeting and like getting getting caught up in comments is like a it's a very elementary thing to do because they they really do not matter and so whenever i see something i try to think like life is bigger than me i don't need to take myself this seriously and this person doesn't need to take themselves this seriously um and just kind of shifting my mind to to really understand that has helped as well so every person who gets in our business your life changes People start to recognize you. People interrupt you at dinner. People want to take pictures. That's That all goes together. When did you realize, like, and I'm not saying, like, it's a big deal, but, like, your life changes. What was the moment for you, like, wow, people know who I am? I think, so I remember there was All Star in Charlotte, and that was what, like 20 a few years ago. Yeah. yeah. And I'm at this like afternoon kind of lunch event thing. And it was hosted by Dreamville. And when I'm there, I'm sitting down and J. Cole was there and he had seen my interviews. And I remember I thought that was crazy. Like he came up to me, I was talking about the interviews. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, J. Cole has seen something that I that I've done. Um, and that was like my first year that I had started with BR and Turner. Um, and that I remember that really distinctly because I thought that 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 was just just wild to me because I was a big fan of J. Cole's music. So that sticks out for sure. You know, for me, Chuckster, yeah. we're doing a Laker game and we, we had the studio out there. Maybe it was Western Conference Finals or something. And I saw Denzel Washington. And I was like, you know what? I need to meet Denzel Washington. Yes. I've, I loved all of his stuff. So it's like halftime's over. People are kind of milling around a little bit, not not quite ready to get back in their seats. So I get over there, I unhook it, and I said, I just wanted to say, hey, I, I'm a big fan. I'm Ernie Johnson with uh, the NBA on TNT. EJ, I watch you guys every night. <laughs> I was like, really? Yeah. Wow. That's it. And it was one of those, 
What yeah. a cool moment. You never yeah. think about folks like that, you know, sitting around clicking yeah. and saying, oh, I got, I got to watch inside the NBA. And that was, that was the moment for me that really kind of blew me away. I had two moments. I remember the first time we played the Lakers, I was coming off the bench and I go check into the, to the game and Jack Nicholson says, hey, young guy, Charles, good luck. They're like, Jack Nicholson know who I am. <laughs> and I was like, wow. I called all my friends. I called my mom. I called my grandmother. I called all my friends back in Leeds. I said, y'all not going to believe that Jack Nicholson know who I am. Oh, it's man. crazy. And the second thing is, my third year in the NBA, I was starting to become a star. And it was like nerve-wracking. So after the season, I told my boys, I said, yo, man, we got to get out of the country. I need some peace and quiet because I can't go anywhere in Philadelphia. Nobody knows me. I fly. I get about four of my boys. We fly to Hawaii. I get off the plane, and there's a group of like 50 people waiting to say hello to me. And I was like, man, they know who I am in Hawaii. And I was yeah. like, this is crazy. I mean, they were waiting on me in Hawaii, and that's how dumb I was. I said, I've got to get out of the country, and I went to Hawaii. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, man, I'm, I'm somebody now. But, but it was nerve-wracking, but it's, but it's been a great journey. Wait, Chuck, I have a question about something you just said, because yeah. I always wonder this. Like, yeah. In your story, you said, I was starting to become a star. Yeah. How do you know when you're becoming a star? And what's the difference between becoming a star and a superstar? Well, you become a star before you become a superstar, first and foremost. The level of success dictates that. At every level, you, like uh, Drake said, you're starting at the bottom, now we're here. So in high school, you make the team, you're nobody. Then you become a star. Then you start over on the bottom when you go to college. And then you become a star. And then you go to the NBA. And then you become a star. Then you become an all-star. Then you become a superstar. There's three levels to it. But it's all dictated by your level of success. Are you talking about numbers? Or are you talking about something internally that you see as your plan that you say, Man, I used to watch yeah. this guy, yeah. and you know what? He can't guard me. Or this guy, well, but, I can play but, with these but, guys. But that, I mean, is it that or is it numbers? Uh, it, it's a combination of both because, like, the numbers make you a star and a superstar. In people's eyes. Also, in your eyes, too. Like, you can't walk around thinking you're a star if you're a bench player. I mean, you might think that, but the more successful you become, that dictates whether you're a star or a superstar. Like Kobe, LeBron, when they first came to the NBA, we don't, they just like, yo, these just dudes. But when you start being great, which they both are, two of the greatest ever to do it, then you become a star and a superstar. But it's dictated by your level of success. I mean, the guy, the number 12 guy on the Clippers can't be walking around telling me he's a star or a superstar. I mean, you can't, like, you're a good player because you're in the NBA, but your level of success dictates which level yeah which level so to answer your question yes like you're a star taylor rooks <laughs> and you keep doing your thing you're gonna be a superstar because you're talented and uh like i say they say you a merging star we always known you're a star down here at turner that's so kind she is uh, nominated for that emmy with uh malika andrews 
Julian Edelman, Eli Manning, and Greg Olson for emerging on-air talent. That kind of uh, recognition. Enjoy that. Hey, it's uh, well-earned, well-deserved. Hey, can you see my we'll face? We'll be pulling for you that night. Can you see my face? Yes, I see. I just want to show you something. You got to have this, uh, this shitty look on your face if you don't win. If you win, it's easy to be happy. But this is the face you have. Like, I've lost the Emmy, like, 18 times. You just have to sit there and, like... <laughs> no, you clap. You clap for the person who won. Congratulations, you mother... <laughs> Just have to keep a smile on. Yeah, hey. I'm gonna remember that. Yeah, hey, just smile. I remember you hey, saying that. Show, show your teeth and smile and be saying, "You mother, <laughs> I didn't win." <laughs> I do have a question for you because I asked Cap if I could ask you a question that I'm curious about. Sure. If you have time. Yeah, of course. So this is just a selfish question that I want to know because I think one of the many things that makes you really, really, really great at your job is that you know when to just let all the guys talk. Like, you know when to be quiet and allow them to debate and go back and forth and tell their stories. So what has, like, hosting inside the NBA taught you about the value of just silence? Oh, no, you treasure it is what you do. <laughs> you treasure silence. Uh, you know, uh, there's nothing better for me, Taylor, than the drive home to Brazelton after a show where it's just me and the and my music or me and nothing and no more yapping in my ear and, and nobody threatening each other at the end of the set and saying, there's going to be some furniture moved in here, blah, 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 bring it on, blah, blah, you know, all <laughs> that stuff. But um, you just develop a feel for when a conversation's run its course. And, and I've told people before, it's like the prep I do is like hard. It's a lot of work, but it's also – a lot of times it's finding a, a quote from a coach that you say, I'm going to throw this out in pregame because I know Charles is going to hate this, but <laughs> Shaq's going to love it and Shaq's going to broadside him on it. And so I'm always looking for things that are just going to spark conversation. And then, you know, having a guy like Tim Kiley or Jeremy Levin in your ear, who sometimes, you know, you can get so wrapped up in it, you know, you get in your ear and say, let's move on. Okay. So, you know, we've done this yeah. too much. So, uh, no, there is, there's value in, to me, Look, these are the guys who played the game. They don't care what I say about what's happening with 1.8 seconds to go in a team's huddle. I want to hear from the guys who have been there. And so you're getting out of your lane if if you feel like, well, I really need to contribute something here. You know, just you know, it's like, no, you don't. These guys are carrying it on just fine. But when they're done, then let's get over here and let's throw this out to them. So that's kind of the deal. But yes, yeah, silence is awesome. Silence is awesome. <laughs> No, I love that. Thank you so much. It, it's been great having you on. You've been very generous with Good your luck. time. We Good really appreciate it. Good luck. Yeah, we'll, we'll be seeing you on uh, NBA Twitter Live at NBA on TNT throughout the playoffs. Yes. You gonna, where are you going to be doing that from? In Atlanta. So I great. will see you all very soon. We'll be bumping it into each other on a nightly basis running yes, around during yes, those yes, yes. playoff nights. Keep doing your thing, girl. We're proud of you. Thank you. Y'all are the best. Thank you so much for having me. She's awesome. It's been a while since we've been a steam room. It's been a, even longer since we've had the legendary Tim Kiley in our presence. Longtime producer. Every time you said that legendary, I just like. He is. Okay. You mean legend in his own mind. Did you miss me? Uh. Not really. We just saw you. 
How are you going to do? How are you? I'm doing well. I, I just wanted to, uh, before I do anything else, we got to give a shout out to uh, Audrey Martin because the Inside Story got a, a nomination for an Emmy. Hey, and that's congrats awesome. on yeah. yours, Ernie, as always. Thank you. Didn't she just have a baby? I think so, yeah. Little Charles? June. Yeah, June. Hey, Audie, congratulations on little June. See you next year. <laughs> All right. You know, these women be getting like six months vacation, so I won't see her anymore until yeah, next it's year. vacation. Oh, the, don't start going down diapers. that road again. Here we go. Right. Well, since we haven't been together in a while, I wanted to get Chuck's impressions of, and I know you use this word a lot, but Deshaun Watson getting 230 guaranteed. Wow. Caught me off guard with that one, TK. <laughs> Man, this is a tough one for me as a jock. I don't know what's true and what's not true. And I, I try never to play God on television because I don't think that's fair. But that's a troubling situation. Like I say, I never try to play God, judge, and jury on television. But I will say... Just because of the civil suits. Yes. Uh, 22 of them. This is where I... I take a step back and try not to judge people. Um, I, I'm just troubled by the entire situation, and I'll leave it there. All right. Well, we'll switch over to game shows since we love game shows. Yes, we do. And Chuck, What a seamless transition it, that wasn't was. It the, it, wasn't it, though, Arnie? I, I learned from you. On Jeopardy, Neha Shishadri told a story about bumping in somebody bumping into her. Neha a senior in economics at Harvard University, I'm told that you keep accidentally running into NBA basketball players. Tell us more. Yeah, sure. So the first time it happened, I'm sitting in Universal Studios, the Hollywood Rip Ride Rocket. I hear screaming. I look behind me. He's too tall to get on, but I see Clay Thompson getting on right behind me. And, you know, he's screaming the whole way around, and it's super fun. Um, and then the next time, I'm on a long layover at O'Hare, and I run smack into Charles Barkley. And, you know, he's super sweet, and it's really great. So, yeah, this keeps happening to me. Uh, do you, you remember, remember that day? Not right off hand. Oh, well, I just but at least sure. I was nice. I try to always be nice to people. That's that, beautiful. As we were talking earlier, when you meet a celebrity, they should always be cordial. Now, they I mean, they don't have to spend an hour with you, but they should at least say, hey, if somebody take the time to say hello to you, hey, thank you for be saying. Be nice to them. Yeah, Common yeah. kindness. Common yeah. courtesy. As Absolutely. Dr. J told me, don't be an asshole, son. I said, Doc, you're nice to everybody. He says, it's either A or B. You're either yeah. nice or you're not. Dr. J, love you, Doc. Well, at least she remembered you. Listen to this question about Bo Jackson. Correct. Multi-sport athletes, 800. A few career highlights. He won the Heisman at Auburn, ran for 221 yards in one game for the Raiders, and was an American League All-Star. Who is Bo Jackson? Candace. I told y'all. Uh, I told y'all. Those are the Ernie Johnson of Jeopardy's right there. Know, know all this useless stuff and don't have any common sense. Those people are really smart. Why are you dragging me into because, that? Because you, you be throwing all these little wisdom things out there that's ir irrelevant. and not. I know Bo Jackson. No, and I know that. But I'm saying you want those smart people, just like those three, who just don't know normal stuff. You're really smart. You know a lot of useless stuff. But those people probably really smart. They don't have any common sense. Should I cut his mic off, Ernie? I like still don't get do? why I'm being dragged into this. I don't know. You, either, you, but you, I'm just cut saying. Cut his mic off. If you I'm need just it. saying. You're one of those really smart people who know a lot of useless stuff, and you don't know have common sense. Sure, I do. 
<laughs> yeah, I know you well, think you're that. plenty of common sense. <laughs> Are you still the number and one athlete at I have common sense and I know useless stuff. That's right. <laughs> and um, I know Bo Jackson. How can those three people consider themselves smartest people Easy. in the world? If you're not a sports fan. And she picked the category, so. You can, yeah, that's it. a good point. <laughs> maybe it was the only category <laughs> left. left. I guess. So. Yeah, let's go sports. <laughs> um, is are you number one still at Auburn? Let me say this, and Bo probably is not listening to the podcast. Bo's out killing some animals somewhere hunting. I guarantee you that. Him and Carmelo are the only two black people I know who hunt. Shout out <laughs> to Mel, man. I just saw him down in New Orleans. But those are the only two black people I know go hunt every single day. Was he hunting the other day in New Orleans? Uh, no, we were doing a. Well, uh, then he doesn't go. We, we were every day. we were doing an event for his uh, for Redmont and my my vodka and jeans. Vodka, another another plug. another plug for Shameless. Redmont. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Okay, <laughs> and, and Carl's got some cigars and alcohol too. Go check it out. But cigars and alcohol. <laughs> yep. But I will say this: one of the honors and privileges of my life was going to college with Bo Jackson, watching him play football and baseball. Now, the debate of who's number one, I might have to give him a slight edge. Oh, but, sure, it's more than slight. <laughs> but going to college with Bo Jackson, watching him play football and baseball was one of the great things of my life. Well, you said it. You and Ernie talked about being nice. This was Bo's response to the Jeopardy thing. <laughs> I just wanted to let you all know that I forgive each one of them. Uh, that's Bo, man. I saw him. Uh, I saw him recently uh, at Lionel Little Train James' funeral. He did a great job uh, representing the Auburn family. His Auburn brothers were all there. Shout out to my college teammate, which is a little known fact. Everybody know about Little Train James. But his brother, Tim, played basketball at Auburn at the same time. I did not know that. Yes. Uh, you know, we all got together for Little Train's funeral, and it was as good as it can be. But the Auburn family all showed up, man, because as we know, Auburn's the greatest place in the world. One last one. Finally, you made some famous appearances on Jeopardy. So let's listen to one. Oh, this can't be good. Final Jeopardy category for the three of you is JFK. And here is the clue. In an interview, Jackie confided that JFK regularly fell asleep listening to the soundtrack of this Broadway play. The Kennedy years, of course, have often been referred to by this name. Charles, we'll start with you. What did you come up with for Final oh. Jeopardy as your response? What is cat? Really? Like you like you needed to tell Alex, hey, I didn't have a clue. First of all, shout First out of all. shout out, rest in peace to the great Alex Rebecca. When I met Alex Rebecca, it was so awesome. It was like a kid in a candy store. Martha Stewart was awesome too. She whipped uh, you in that. She did. She even beats you to a Michael Jordan question. Yeah. I know. I, the bud, it's the button, Ernie. And, uh, hey, you know what's really interesting? I've actually never been to a play. You've never been to a live play? I've never been to a Broadway play. Wow. You think that surprises me? How many have you been to? Oh, a dozen. Oh, really? What? Oh, trust me. TK, how many plays have you been to? About a dozen. Yeah. Yeah, I just saw Hamilton. It was unbelievable. I still want to see Hamilton. I haven't it, seen it. It's great. Wait, you you, you gotta go? See, yeah, 
I went to school in New York. We used to get free tickets. I watch anything. They're letting anybody into Columbia now. No, there ain't no question about that. I never. I've you never... and Marcellus Wiley. I can't believe y'all <laughs> got into Columbia. I got to tell you, my favorite Broadway story doesn't involve me. It involves John Smoltz when he and I were working baseball together. So we're doing a Yankee game for the weekend. You know, we'd fly in on Saturday. You know, I do the game Sunday. Saturday night was free, so John and his daughter and his wife, his his daughter and wife, flew up, and they're going to go see. Uh, a play, and it was one of those, golly, now that I'm, I won't be able to remember it, but it was a thing that teenage teenagers would love to, and it was, and, and so they're there. And John is telling me all week, he says, I don't know. I just don't know about me sitting down there and watching something go on this line. I just don't think, I, I'm not feeling good about it. <laughs> and he's, I asked him the next day, we're on the way to the ballpark. I said, how'd the play go last night? And he says, uh, well, it was great. You know, we're in there about an hour and 10 minutes. And then the curtain closes and everybody stands up and starts moving around. And I'm thinking, I made it. And then my wife looked at me and said, John, this is intermission. <laughs> he wasn't even close. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, that's that's, that's the only too. tough part. That's the only tough part. And in those old theaters, you'd have a tough time sitting in one of those chairs. I, you know, I, I probably should go see a play. You'd be, you'd be amazed, Chuckster. Yeah, I want Hamilton. Put, I, I actually, Hamilton I actually would like to see Hamilton because I heard so much about it. If I'm gonna go to a play, it's got to be something like that. You and I will go. We'll go to we'll go to Hamilton and we'll go to Orange Julius before or yeah, after. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Or you could throw a Redmond vodka in there again for a third or fourth mention. Don't so. forget the Vulcan gin. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Until next time, boys. All right, brother. If there is a next time. Absolutely. <laughs> That's got to be a next time. Another legendary appearance by Tim Kiley. <laughs> Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Come and join us in steam room. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Leave your towel on in steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Leave your towel on in the steam room. <laughs> you crack yourself up every time you hear that. Told you they call me. That's why they call me the Black Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Hey, uh, have you noticed? Just talking about the quality of the production of the podcast this week. Any change? Because it's better. Abby Stoltz. This is her first gig producing. So the much steam better. room because so Michael better. Kaplan is at his little brother's bachelor weekend. First of all, I don't understand why he think his brother's bachelor party is more important than the steam room. Oh, I do. Why would you think that? Just about everything's more important than the steam room. <laughs> First of all, clearly. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Law Steamers. He didn't mean that. Sometimes you say things you don't mean. No, we don't take ourselves <laughs> like like we're really important. We just we know well, that uh, folks I, enjoy listening to yeah. this. But look, if you got if you're gonna have a bachelor party for your little brother. That trumps the uh, Yeah, but the I'm a little concerned. They went to Austin, Texas. There's a lot to do in Austin, Texas. Uh, Las Vegas, Scottsdale, Florida somewhere. Nobody goes to Austin, Texas unless they're going to the University of Texas. It's not like Vegas or or, or you can You Miami. can have a good time without maybe getting in the trouble you might get into in Vegas. Hanging out with a bunch of college kids, drunk college kids on the weekend. That's okay. I don't Cap, know. have a great time, Cap. Yeah. And little, little Cap, brother. I'm sure he did. The uh, 
Chuck's answering machine number, 404-987-0330-404-987-0330. We encourage you to call. Make it entertaining. We probably got plenty of calls since we've been on hiatus. Hiatus. See, I'm using big words right Yes, you are. Hiatus. Please, call number one. You've reached Charles Barkley. Leave a message, America. Hi, Ernie and Charles. JR here from the Philippines, your loyal stimmer from Manila. Mabuhay. So I have this dilemma that I've been mulling about for the past few months. I run a fintech startup in the Philippines. Uh, we help college students stay in school through education financing. So we also help them pay for their college tuition. And I've been offered by our parent company to move to Singapore, me and my wife. I was just wondering, in your career, Charles, I know that you started with Philly Sixers. And I remember in one of your interviews, you said that if ever you get into the Hall of Fame, it will be as a Sixer. And I was just wondering, since you transferred to Phoenix, you got your MVP there. Between Philly and Phoenix, where do you feel at home? And did your transfer to Phoenix feel well worth it. Again, all the best from Manila. And if ever you play this through your podcast, know that I'm keeping my towel on. More power, guys. Thank you and stay safe. Thank goodness. Hey, listen, so air exposure, I'm going to the Philippines with you. He says something to me at the All-Star game. He said, we got to get to Manila together, the Philippines. So air exposure, Chuck, wants to go with you to the Philippines, count me in. You know, that's a, that's a really good question. I was a much better player in Philly than I was in Phoenix, even though I got MVP because I had Kevin Johnson, Dan Marley, Mark Weston, Cesar Ballos, and those guys. But I was lucky. Actually, both teams retired my jersey, which I can't pick between the two. I'm not going to lie to you. Is that why you live in both? Yes. Well, first I was 195 degrees in Phoenix, too, during the summer. But my Philadelphia days were great. I got to play with the, the my my dad, my second dad, Moses, and Dr. J, and Andrew Tony Maurice, Clement Johnson, and Clint Richardson, and all those guys. And I went from being a fat kid to an all-star in the Hall of Fame because of Moses. And I had more team success getting to the finals um, with the Suns. But I could never pick between those two. Uh, Philly means a great deal to me. Phoenix is where I live now. But I don't think there's a right or wrong answer whether I'm a 76 or a son. They both mean a great deal to me. But I really appreciate your call. And, yo, man, uh, I look forward to going to the Philippines with Coach Spo. And good luck on the move to uh, Singapore. Yes. Uh, next call. Hi, Chuck. It's Levi from Richmond, Virginia. And recently, Ernie admitted that he had worn Spanx at his daughter's wedding. We were wondering if you had ever worn Spanx. And also, who was your favorite basketball player growing up? Bye. Thanks. That's so it was cute. a Spanx t-shirt, Levi. That was so cute, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, just, it was adorable. How old do you think he is? Levi, nine. Levi, thanks for calling in. How am I supposed to know how old he is? Uh, just random guess. What do you think? Uh, 13. He's a teenager. What was the question? 
No, I've never worn Spanx. That's the question. <laughs> I don't know if, if there's much more of an explanation needed. Yeah. No. Um, Would you ever consider? I got on a really strict diet for my daughter's wedding just to make it reasonable. Uh, but no, I don't uh, I, I don't think I'm ever in the Spanx category. Okay, so the second part of his question was, who's your, who was your favorite player growing up? You know what's really weird, Ernie? These kids today think there's always been basketball on television. So, Levi, I am so old. I'm not sure I had a favorite basketball player growing up because you're used to seeing basketball seven days a week now. There was only one game a week when I was growing and up. And it was normally at Boston Garden. <laughs> Back then, they only showed three teams. Sixers, Lakers, and Celtics. Yep. <laughs> and that's what's, like, it's so funny, uh, depending on your, your age demographic, you got a game every Sunday, so you really didn't have an affiliation or a favorite player. And, you know, I really wasn't really a big basketball fan until I grew from 5'10 to 6'5". And we don't have pro sports in Alabama, so I really did not have a favorite player growing up. Mine was Pete Maravich, by the way. Yeah. You remember back in those days, those Sunday games, the game of the week? Oh, yeah. They actually had a theme song uh, with words, had had lyrics. Really? It's not like, you know, we have our theme song, yeah. and, but it went like this. You'll get the best in basketball when you watch the NBA, when you watch the NBA on CBS. That's awful. They did. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm just saying that's, that was awful right there. Yeah. I just thought I was, would enlighten you a little bit no, 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 into the I, history I, I, of the you game. Took, you took me down to darkness with that yeah. rendition of, of that, whatever, whatever it was. song it was. Happy to do it. Next call. Hey, Chuck. This is Brian from Orange County. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Hey, you didn't ask Clark Kellogg about the uh, certain type of people showing pictures unsolicitedly of their grandkids. I personally think showing pictures of your grandkids is a thing that's universally adopted by all backgrounds. I can probably attest because I'm Asian and my parents will unsolicitedly show pictures of my kids to everyone under the sun. Keep up the good work. Love you. Well, number one, he is correct. I have found myself showing my little Henry off to everybody. That was not the point I was trying to make. The point I was making is grandkids are different than your kids. White people love to show you pictures of their kids doing stuff, which is annoying. Grandkids are special. I don't want people, my friends, my white friends, sending me pictures of their cute little kids. Yeah, they're cute. When I come to your house for something, say, uh, or we were like, we stop by and have a drink after golf, or I'll come over for dinner or something. Yeah, I want to see your cute little kids. But when I'm back at home, minding my own business, do not be sending me pictures of your kids doing cute stuff. That's my point. How, well, how about this? How about if Christiana sends it to you? Oh, look at oh, Henry she, today. She, oh, oh, yeah. She, grandkids are different. 
Yeah. I, grandkids are different than other friends of mine sending me their badass kids pictures. Okay. But you get the grandparent thing. Oh, the grandparent thing is cool. You get it. I, I, I love mean, you I get want. it. How somebody says, hey, how you doing? Oh, let me show you. Yeah. This is how I'm doing. Look at these grandkids. Yeah. It's just like, it, it's just your reaction these days. And what's really cool is like, I catch myself, not every day because I don't want to be annoying. I try to that wait. That ship has sailed. Yeah. Yeah. I try to wait at least two or three days in between. I send Chris down a picture says, how's my grandson doing? What do you call him? I call him little f***ing Henry. I, I do. I says, I, like, so when I go out with my friends too, every night, I have a toast. I said, here's the little f***ing Henry. We have a toast every night when I'm out with my boys because I'm so proud of little Henry. But I said, here's the little f***ing Henry. And we clap glasses together. I don't even know. I don't even know how to respond. I don't even know. I'm thinking about little Henry all the time, even when well, I'm not see, with See, that's fine. Yeah. Little Henry. Yeah. Is fine. I know. But when you, we do you can call him just little Henry. No, it's just dramatic. It's dramatic when we toast and I said it. Were you, did you like the name? Uh, I, first of all, Henry is not Charles. The perfect scenario would have been Charles. Yeah. Charles is a lot better than Henry. I mean, I could deal with Henry. I got no choice now. Or we can do, wait, didn't the Kardashian one day girls change the name? You're asking the wrong guy. Okay. I don't know anything about it. I saw they, they changed, I think his name was Wolf. And they like, first of all, they named their kid Wolf, which was stupid. Why? How about Wolf Blitzer? He's Wolf Blitzer. <laughs> There's a difference. He's Wolf Blitzer. Like he's legendary. But you Well, this this wolf might be legendary too. Well, we don't know that yet. Well. They changed the name rightfully so. Okay. You can't be going around saying, hey, there's little wolf. What'd now, they do? when you watch Coyote? Wolf, no, what'd they do? Uh, <laughs> they, I don't even know the new name, actually. But think about it. If I see Wolf Blitzer, he's Wolf Blitzer. I don't want to see no little five, yo. Hey, there's well, wasn't, little wasn't Wolf Blitzer five once? Was it was he was he I, wolf when he was five? I think Wolf came out and he was like fifty. I'd like to I'd like to know that. I'd like to know if Wolf Blitzer was born Wolf Blitzer or if he changed his something name. happened, you know, in his childhood where they said, Oh, hey, don't mess with Wolf. <laughs> that wolf. And then and then it stuck. First of all, you know We'll have to have him on the steam room. I had to fight a fanboy the first time I met Wolf Blitzer. Because he's like, you talk about legends. Good dude. Like, yeah, he was a great dude, and he loves basketball. He and, and John like, King both love him. Oh, John King loves basketball. I, I I miss seeing him at the All-Star game. Yeah. But Wolf, man, when you meet Wolf Bliss, you're like, man. That's like when I met Dan Rather, and I met uh, Tom Brokaw, who uh, is one of my favorite people in the world. Met him at the Final Four a few yeah, years ago. Yeah, I, I, I got a chance to spend some time with Mr. Brokaw. And, like, when you meet these legends, it's like – that was one night I was in New York a couple of years ago. And Dan Rather walked by, and I was like, man, that's Dan Rather. So did you say hey? I did not. I didn't want to bother him. Chuckster. Hey, you know, it's like sometimes people don't want to be bothered. He was at dinner. They'd at, love uh, to be bothered by the Chuckster. Yeah, that's yeah. like the day that I had to introduce you to Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Oh, that was so cool. In New York. That was so cool. Because Cheryl Ann and I had met her yeah. on a trip. And we had talked about college basketball because her son was going that, to Northwestern. Yeah. That was, she was really awesome. I was like, you meet somebody who's a legend like she is, and I think that's the issue, to be honest with you. There's nothing worse than meeting a celebrity who's an asshole, in my opinion. Because there's never a reason. Like, if you walk up to somebody, they should be cordial, give you three to 
four seconds, five seconds, say hello and blah, blah, blah. But when you meet a celebrity and they're an asshole, it's just like, I don't even want to watch them or talk to them ever again. This has been a uh, a fun return to the steam yes. today. Uh, our, our best to Michael Kaplan, who will return sometime unless unless Abby's taking his job now. Abby, great job in your first uh producing of the uh, of hey, the so room. this is the best team room ever first time we've had no glitches this yeah. the cap and uh we send you off here's to little henry here's to little henry that will suffice <laughs> <laughs>